Okay, it's John Reed, the day after Sapphire Now has completed. I'm with Brian Dennett of Enable AI. How's it going, Brian? Good. It's definitely an interesting uh, conference we had. Yeah, we were in a whole frenzied series of meetings. Uh, the SAP Blogger program definitely hooks us up with, with a lot of stuff, and so now our challenge is to see if we can articulate something coherent for people who didn't get that opportunity. Um, for the listeners who are Wish this was the usual Dick Hirsch wrap-up. Well, Dick's on already on a plane back home, and it's not happening. Um, but Brian has some super interesting stuff to share. He spent a lot of time in the machine learning space. We're going to do uh, two podcasts. Um, this one is the conference review, and then we're going to do another one that's going to talk a little more about his work with Enable AI and the kinds of machine learning and AI problems they are tackling. So hopefully my backup recording is working well enough for you listeners to enjoy. So, okay, Brian, so we had a bunch of meetings uh, from the keynote stages. Uh, the, the really big things were obviously the, the C4 HANA announcement, yep. um, which is essentially SAP trying to redefine CRM in a HANA context. And then the overarching theme is the intelligent enterprise, which is how all the pieces of SAP's vision of where things are going fit together, right. um, which also includes the Leonardo component. Uh, which is an area that you're especially interested in, obviously, because that's where SAP sort of puts a lot of the AI and machine learning stuff. Absolutely. Um, and that's an interesting aspect because last year was the sort of, the announcements really focused more on Leonardo, and this year they were trying to sort of put Leonardo in the context of everything else. Um, last year, Leonardo was very difficult to understand from the keynote stage. <laughs> It felt a lot like hot air balloons, like floating up into space. Agreed. <laughs> uh, so this year, I think we got a lot more clarity. But anyway, with that context in mind, we're going to kind of bounce around to some of the sort of burning questions you had and 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 what kind of things you learned. So what what was on your mind and what did you learn? Well, I, I think that uh, I mean I definitely agree with you about the the Leonardo messaging getting more clear and now starting to fit into the larger SAP ecosystem. Um, I think. The whole C4 move definitely makes sense. I mean, one thing that we're seeing as Enable AI is this shift towards the customer experience and being more brand sensitive. Uh, and so I think that's very in line with market changes. Um, I think the things that probably got undercovered was like the master data as a service in particular was something that I think is super interesting, something that's, um, is something I feel like SAP is in a position to take advantage of and has been for a long time. Right. Um, and so it's cool to see them hint at it, but it'll be interesting to see how that strategy evolves over time. Um, I mean, I worked on the MDM products, um, both at Colgate Palmolive and then at Johnson & Johnson. And, you know, MDM is just such a core part of the stack for a ERP landscape because um, if you don't have good master data, it's very mm -hmm. hard to manage all the rest of your data. And I think that SAP is in a position to really help drive forward companies' ability to manage their master data. And so it's just a matter, in my opinion, of how aggressive they want to get with master data as a service, how mm -hmm. complete that solution is going to be, how much are they going to get involved versus let their customers hand things off. Um, and so I don't know if you want to like jump into any details. Yeah, I'd like to dive into that more, but let's let's hit on a few other topics and come back to the, the master data as a service because I think that was one of the... Uh, sneaky, interesting announcements of the conference that some people might not have heard about uh, because it wasn't, you know, a press release issued on it. I don't think, um, and it wasn't. They didn't make a big fuss about it. 
Also, just one aside for the listeners, I'm going to issue a couple of grievances at the end of the podcast. So, if you can make it to the end, you'll hear my my bitch list. But don't, don't get me into much trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, these won't be Brian's axes to grind, only mine. Anyway, what else, what other kind of questions were you looking to explore with the meetings that you had? Uh, so, I think the 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 business data network was another thing that mm-hmm. I thought was a very interesting piece of the puzzle in terms of how SAP is trying to move forward with this shift in the landscape towards machine learning and automation and AI. Um, I think that the Leonardo thing, again, it's, it's, it's starting to mature and make more sense. And so mm-hmm. now I think it's a question of how does that fit into the intelligent enterprise? How intelligent is the enterprise actually going to get? Right. How do they intend to pull that off and bring their customers along on what will ultimately be a pretty wild ride when everyone's trying to figure out exactly how all this is going to come together and mm-hmm. how in how many different areas will this be as successful as we think it might be. Mm-hmm. So why would you take a break from your startup activities? And by the way, listeners, uh, Brian's business partner, Eddie Herman, might be well known to some of you for his Enterprise Geeks years. Uh, why would you take a break from your working kind of shoulder to shoulder with Eddie, uh, with clients and coding and stuff to come out here and, uh, and go to Sapphire? What were you hoping to accomplish? Well, I think that, uh, you know, because me and Ed are in this startup together and we, we do have these SAP roots, um, I think it's valuable to keep an eye on the enterprise. I mean, we definitely had conversations around the, the cost of coming to SAP conferences because, you know, losing weeks a year is expensive for a startup. Right. Um, but I, I do think it makes a lot of sense to kind of understand what the, the largest companies are doing, mm-hmm. how they're thinking, how their technology vendor is shepherding them along so that we can make sure that what we're doing could make sense for those kinds of customers because ideally, SAP's customers, at least some subset of them, will become ours. And and really understanding the the language and the strategy and the way that they're thinking is very valuable to us. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the the thing of SAP does do a relatively good job of being a thought leader and really educating their customers. And and so if I think of the SAP customer as a step ahead of the average business, then I think it's um, it's valuable for us to have those conversations with them to understand where other businesses are lagging behind and and how to maybe help them along on this journey of understanding machine learning and the the shifts in the technology dynamics right now. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So let's let's look especially for a minute at at Leonardo and and how it fits into the intelligent enterprise view because I think that's something I think listeners would really want to understand. So... from a Leonardo perspective, how do you how do you see Leonardo now versus, you know, you've you've been to past SAP conferences where this was announced and such. Um, where where are we now? How would you describe it? Does it make sense? Yeah, I definitely think that Leonardo as a overarching organization and product ish thing, mm-hmm. I think is clear now because if if you think about it in that that three step approach of the design thinking of it being baked into the ERP. Um, mm-hmm. of it being these, these templates. I, I think that that does make sense. I think that now if you mm-hmm. think about it it's in one of those three buckets, uh, the messaging is very clear. And I think that Leonardo makes a lot of sense in terms of the intelligent enterprise because when it comes to machine learning, um, and, you know, data science in general, like the whole bucket of AI, 
um, there is a lot of experimentation. You can't just get away with assuming like right. here is the end goal, here's the solution, this is the exact roadmap we'll take to get there. Things are a little bit more fuzzy in in that space. And so Leonardo, I think, makes a lot of sense in terms of giving SAP the flexibility to hear the customer voice, see the customer problem space, experiment within that, find solutions, and then bring mm-hmm. those back to the mothership and and bake some of that in in order to allow their entire customer base to uh, enjoy the uh, the fruits of that labor. Yeah, and I, and I think there is one interesting trick in terms of understanding that. So so the three areas that they really defined in the keynote were um, ways of consuming Leonardo. One was when it was embedded in SAP. In other words, when it's applicable to all customers. Try to Im- and, that, and that's sort of part of the intelligent enterprise theme, right, is that you want your apps. This is, shouldn't be something you have to buy in addition. It's like something within your apps. The, the yep. second thing is industry-specific innovation kits, which they call accelerators. And that came out of the the fact that a lot of companies didn't want to just sit down with a whiteboard with SAP and try to figure out what they were going to do. Yep. <laughs> and so it makes a lot more sense once you're building this stuff out to reuse it and to build it into something that really helps companies hit the ground running. I, de- I think with the accelerators, they they, they want to get companies 70 to 80% towards something. Yep. Um, and then the third is co-innovating with customers on the platform. And I think part of that third one is is delivering Leonardo services through the HANA cloud platform, yep. which is yep. now called the SAP cloud platform. So it's hard to be compliant all the time. Sorry, folks. But, uh, but, but anyhow, I think that, that one is important as well because that, that's how you're able to provide sort of intelligent services, you could say, to all applications in the portfolio. You might not be able to rewrite every single application in the same way. So, so yep. now you can, have a central area in the cloud platform to serve all kinds of existing applications or even new apps, partner apps. Right. You guys might build something and consume a Leonardo service, for example. One can hope. Yeah. <laughs> so, so does that does that generally make sense? Do you think that's a, a yeah. good approach? Or? I, I do think it's the the right approach, especially with all these emerging technologies that they do have under the umbrella of Leonardo, because everyone really is still trying to kind of right. figure out how these things fit in um, and and just. Like, so like one thing I think a lot of people miss in the dialogue is that when you think about machine learning products, the, the average model, the global model, is oftentimes not going to be a good fit because how many businesses actually look average? Right. And, and so if you think about the Leonardo package that where it's 80% done, that last 20% is probably taking what they know of as average mm-hmm. and learning how to rebuild it for what's actually your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure in cases like IoT, you have the same kind of thing. Everyone's supply chain looks a little bit different. Everyone's intelligent manufacturing mm-hmm. setup looks a little bit different. And so if you think about, hey, I know roughly how all these pieces need to fit together, and now the 20% of effort is just customizing that for your flavor of it, all right. that, in my opinion, makes a ton of sense. Now, you did have some interesting philosophical differences with SAP on some of this, which I part was able to hear about in one of the meetings that we had together, just around IT philosophy around um, should you give customers the, sort of essentially a machine learning library that they can use to build with, or should should you essentially present them with with essentially embedded smart applications that they can start using? Um, tell us about that philosophical difference. <laughs> uh, I would I would agree with using that term. Um, I think the SAP strategy right now of Having this machine learning organization that is rolling out these completely baked products, 
Um, I think that makes sense to an extent. I think when you think about like core ERP, and there's like a subset of areas where things do look relatively normal. Like the example that I like to use is uh, fraud prevention and finance. Fraud more or less looks the same probably across the entire finance industry, and so there's a certain subset of anomaly detection techniques that just kind of work. And I think mm-hmm. that the same is true for a lot of ERP transactions, but then you have the rest of it, which really falls into what I was talking about, where you might be able to know all the moving parts and you might have an idea of the the set of data points that are really going to drive decisions, mm-hmm. but those those data points will probably look different under every hood. And so I think that the big philosophical difference there is that I think SAP needs to start thinking more about empowering customers and mm-hmm. taking more of a ML-first approach where... ML is baked into it and it's ready to go and the customer can push a button and start looking at their data and start experimenting with models and mm-hmm. seeing where the accuracy might exist. And mm-hmm. SAP should be thinking about building the products that drive those visualizations and drive the conversations for customers to say, am mm-hmm. I ready to build my own model? Does my own model look confident enough for me to switch over to it? Mm-hmm. And if you do that right, I think you can basically roll that out to the entire stack, and now SAP doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting. They can allow the customers to do it, and the end result will be a more accurate model. Right, and I think SAP's sort of, I wouldn't say it was a rebuttal, but what they said in response to what you said is they have some concerns around a lot of their customers' readiness to do that from the perspective of having the data science expertise internally and stuff, so that's their response. I don't think they were necessarily saying to you that they'd never want to go in that direction, but that was sort of where they were coming from. Yeah. They think yeah. customers kind of want this stuff more prepackaged. Right. And, I, and yeah. I do think that that is true in the market. I mean, when we run yeah. around talking to, to potential customers, um, you do hear some of that. There's a lot of hesitance around it, and there's definitely a lack of skill sets. But I think that if you have someone else helping you and putting mm-hmm. together the major components for you, there's there's a degree of experimentation that you can do in ML that is not necessarily that difficult. And I think that mm-hmm. customers will learn that quickly. And once that happens, there's going to be a big demand for this kind of tooling. So the question is, how quickly does that happen? Well, and one of the points I think you made, which is a good one, is that in a, in a certain sense, the algorithms aren't that hard, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of machine learning libraries out there, and you think about even TensorFlow from Google or whatever it is. Yep. Um, it, it's mashing that properly with, with the industry components. Yes that the customer can provide, and then figuring out how you're going to act, action that information. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I mean, like TensorFlow, I would say, is even more sophisticated than what most customer needs are for most use cases, because yeah. scikit-learn is, is really approaching just statistical modeling, and yeah. that does end up being sufficient for probably most of the problem space mm-hmm. that a customer is going to deal with. And I think the other area SAP should legitimately focus on in terms of... of, of you know, presenting it embedded is is more in the robotics process automation aspect, which is sometimes lumped into AI as a whole, but the notion that more and more of these workflows should be automated, right? Like that yeah. a lot of the daily drudgery of running an ERP system, whether it's issuing invoices or reconciling various accounts or whatever it is, that a lot there's a lot of so called smart automation that can be put into all of your processes. And I think that's a really good focus for SAP, but to your point, I think what's interesting over time is that I do think more and more companies are going to want to have internal 
abilities to create smart applications. And some of that may be internal data scientists, but in general, it's the ability to create those kinds of applications. Usually they're customer facing in some way, or they have a predictive element, or they're, you know, they're, they're tied to things like predictive maintenance on the shop floor or whatever. Yeah. I think it's, it's largely a matter of IT philosophy. Like, like some companies just don't want to invest in IT in that strategic way, but I think a number of companies do, and especially larger enterprises, the kind that are SAP's bread and butter, right. are seeing IT as a strategic advantage. When you go into the mid-market, I think more and more, mostly you see companies that want pack, packaged solutions that include AI, and I've heard CFOs say that to vendors. I want it all packaged up. I don't want to think about it, but I'm not saying no small companies would ever invest, because I think some will, but I think especially for the larger enterprise SAP cares about, I think SAP should really listen to your feedback there because I think a lot of those companies are going to want to have, you know, a, a, a machine learning team. You know, yeah. and, and a lot of them already do. I mean, yeah. to, and when we say machine learning team, oftentimes having a handful of data scientists under the the roof is sufficient right. for these activities. Right. Yep. So that's an interesting thing. the The other thing we may want to comment on just a little bit that fits into this whole picture is. Uh, SAP's, uh, one of the bigger announcements of the conference was the SAP cloud platform, uh, general availabilities. There was one with Azure, um, also Google cloud platform, uh, and then, a, a private, uh, hosting with, uh, IBM, a private instance of SAP cloud platform on IBM. It was kind of announced all as like a kind of package of cloud announcements. Um, I found a lot of that refreshing because, uh, that that ability to provide choice to customers around where they want to run stuff. When SAP first started talking about the SAP cloud platform, when it was a Hana cloud platform, I felt it was too proprietary a vision. And I was like, do we really need another cloud platform at this point? How many do we need? Right. But so the more you can, you know, pr- let developers uh, and providers work on the instance of choice makes a lot of sense to me. The questions become things like, well, they're not really all created equal, and, and a lot of companies are committed to one or the other, whatever, but at least there's more choice there. But but when you scratch under the announcement, I think there's a lot of issues, like you were talking about the security aspects of some of that. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a couple of things that I think really need to be broken down more. I think security is one thing that we can definitely circle back to. I think the what you're speaking of in terms of all these different platforms, one thing that I see and I'm concerned about is the fact that it's great that all these companies have choices. And I think, if anything, the messaging needs to be made clear that there are costs to some of these choices. Because mm-hmm. when you think choice, you think, I get to now pick best in breed, or I get to pick the thing that specializes in my one need, whether it's monitoring or machine learning or security. And... The problem with this current strategy is I'm concerned that it's going to turn into more of a lowest common denominator, where Mm -hmm. you're going to end up picking a platform, and in order to avoid lock-in, you're going to be stuck not being able to use any of the best-in-breed features Mm -hmm. so that you have that portability. Um, And so I think that there's definitely more thinking that needs to happen there in terms of how does SAP help customers manage the the choice and Mm -hmm. allow them to take advantage of things but give them that that opportunity to still maintain the portability and the mm-hmm. the options down the road. Um, portability is not a no brainer right now. Right. Yeah. You know. And I mean, like that's like one thing I think is really missing from the narrative is you do have choice, but mm-hmm. choice comes at a big cost. Moving between right. cloud providers is not cheap and it is not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Multi cloud sounds right, but when you scratch under it, it requires a lot of. 
uh, not just middleware, but just the ability to do that from a tooling and support perspective, it just isn't there, you know? Right, exactly. Um, and I, so. I get that that's a hard problem, because SAP, if you think about them trying to kind of abstract that away from the customer, mm. that's that's a lot of customization that has to happen. Every platform does have their own flavor of tools, and there are pieces that are that look very similar across them, but then there's a lot of things that don't. And so right. finding the right balance there in terms of SAP helping to create that interoperability versus allowing mm-hmm. customers to just have the, the power of choice. I think that it's a tightrope to walk, um, but I think SAP is going to have to walk it in order to really do the strategy well. Um, and circling back to the security thing, I, I've been hearing some interesting feedback about uh, how customers, because of you know the sensitivity around data leaks, um, like Cambridge Analytica is you know mm-hmm. the the big fiasco that everyone's talking yep. about, and you know it was essentially a handful of um, people that really caused this this leakage. And you know there's debates around whether or not that's true, but the fact of the matter is like a handful of bad elements can really cause some issues here. Mm-hmm. And and so if you think about companies trying to protect themselves from their um, platform as a service or infrastructure as a service provider. Um, I think that there's improved security models that probably could happen there where SAP can help customers protect themselves from everyone, like truly have almost like a trustless strategy to this. And I think doing it at the container level is where they have to start. Right. That makes sense. So before we wrap, just want to talk a little bit more about um, a couple of the other things you mentioned. Matt, I want to circle back to master data management because one of the last meetings I had was... uh, it was with Christian Klein, who's a board member, a chief operating officer, and he he's responsible for uh, a broad range of things around digital transformation and portfolio and cloud, and he was the one who was pushing for this. And so when I told him that several folks like yourself were, were believed this was kind of the dark horse announcement of the conference, the one that had so much potential, like in the long term, he was really excited to hear that because he's put a lot into it. And... Um, but what is it with master data management? Like, why has this been such a bugaboo? And, and, and is it really important, for example, to the machine learning projects that you have in mind going forward and stuff? Yeah, I mean, like, like I had said earlier, master data ends up being the ground truth by which you uh, work on all your other data cleansing projects. And so if you think about data truly being the thing that allows you to drive your ML strategy, like mm-hmm. data is the first and last step in ML and and so master data really allows you to empower your data more effectively. And so anything SAP can do there uh, is a huge win in terms of really bolstering their ML strategy, both for themselves and for their customers. Um, and so there is that piece of it where really getting a solid master data strategy um, can really move the dial. But I think the thing that for me is really interesting about this, and I don't know if SAP is really thinking in these terms, but if if SAP starts... Uh, walking the line of being a data broker or facilitating the sharing of data between business partners more effectively, right. I think that there's like a ton of opportunity there. Um, and so I don't know if I should like really dive into like a potential vision that I see mm-hmm. for this strategy, but I do think that there's some like mm-hmm. really cool things, really big wins that SAP could have because of their positioning. And it does fit in with with a bigger announcement SAP would have wanted us to mention, I'm sure, which is the HANA data management suite announcement where they've essentially, these aren't really new tools at the moment, though there will be new tools coming, but they've essentially pulled together a bunch of the things they built already, including the data hub, 
and, and to your point, I think a lot of it is assuming more responsibility for helping companies deal with this proliferation of data yep. and, and, and all the quality and governance things that, that screw everything up, right? Where, you know, doing, I just talked to a customer yesterday who had done some predictive stuff on fairly dirty data. And so their, their accuracy rates were around 70% and they want it to be more like 100. Yep. Um, so there's yep. a, the data cleansing is going to be part of their challenge. And, you know, you, you'd like to think these sexy tools can solve for that, but they can't without the underlying support. And yeah. so anyway, I think it could all kind of fit together, I think, if SAP does it right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the data hub thing, when, when they announced that, I thought that that was really a move SAP needed to make. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the future for a lot of these activities is a huge emphasis on data pipelines. And mm-hmm. if you think about a data pipeline, it's basically just this ongoing system that can do data enrichment and data cleansing and data harmonization. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so those are like these living, breathing systems that are strategic assets. Mm-hmm. And I think the SAP is taking the right steps to really be a, a core piece of that strategy. Right. Okay, so just real quick on the business data networks, because I think a lot of folks aren't familiar with with that piece of the puzzle. Uh, you met with Helen Arnold. Yes. I wasn't at that meeting. So so why did that strike you as important? So one of the things I thought was fascinating is that until that meeting, I had not really heard of the business data network. Mm-hmm. And at first, talking to Helen, I was kind of confused about the value proposition and how mm-hmm. it fit into SAP and fit into SAP strategy. You weren't the only one based on the feedback <laughs> I got from the meeting. Yes, it was a very... Uh, heated discussion early on as we were trying to wrap our heads around what this was doing mm-hmm. within the organization. Um, but as the, the conversation drew on and we started to hear more about what their strategy was and how they were uh, interacting with various other pieces of SAP, it started to kind of come together. Um, you started to see the pieces of the puzzle. And I think that really at this point, the way that I would describe the business data network is the tip of the spear. I think mm-hmm. that's the business data network in many ways is this like like hyper focused organization on this idea of data pipelines and machine learning really trying to um, commercialize data really trying to turn data into a strategic asset for businesses and in doing so they are able to tap on the machine learning organizations and they are able to tap into the leonardo organizations and share what they've learned and I think the interesting thing to see as this evolves is how does that organization scale? How does that organization peel off its big wins and hand them back to the mothership? Um, but I do think it's the right strategy. I think there's like a huge opportunity there in terms of having this organization running around, getting people to understand what data they have, how they can use that data better. Um, it really does in a lot of ways sound like the Leonardo pitch. They're mm-hmm. just... They're just hyper, hyper focused on this idea of data and data pipelines and machine learning. And it'll be very interesting to see where that goes. Cool. All right. Well, let's wrap up before we do. For those who have made it to the end, I, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, juicy content here. I want to give you a couple of gripes. Uh, one of which is that, um, my, my buddy Simha is SAP mentor. He's ERP prof on Twitter, ERP PR OF. I asked him where are your students he used to bring students here every year. Well, as it turns out, SAP isn't supporting that aspect of the initiative anymore. And it's a little weird um, and, uh, and frustrating for me. University Alliance has been moved under marketing, and I don't know if that's the reason for the change. But what i got to say to SAP about that is that there's, there's something screwed up and stupid here. Because if you don't think that bringing students 
to this event is good marketing for you, you're out of your freaking minds. So fix this and get the students back to this event and, and get Simha back involved because this guy is, and his colleagues at, at universities, his other professors are doing a stellar job of preparing the next generation of workers for SAP. So SAP's got to fix that. Number two, I talked to a bunch of SAP mentors in the analytics space and the, the roadmap issues are in the analytics space. Aside from the analytics cloud, everyone knows that's the go-to. And the SAP analytics team needs to engage much more significantly with these mentors around this, many of whom are customers or work closely with customers. So you got to get on that too. So with that in mind, that's just my gripes, not Brian. So <laughs> take it up with me if you have a problem with it. Um, and then let's just wrap up with, um, I'm going to challenge you to give SAP a, a letter grade on the conference and why. Ooh, you're putting me on the spot there. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and not for your own, because let's just, let's just be clear in terms of the program that Stacy Fish runs for us and the access we get and the executives and their level of engagement with us, you gotta give it an A plus or at least an A. Yeah. Um, but, but just in general for like putting yourself in the attendee mindset, what would you give? Yeah, for, for the attendee, I mean, I would probably give them something like a B plus. I think mm -hmm. that they are doing a great job of showing the customer what the future is going to look like and really trying to bring them along this this journey. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that there's areas where they could be more clear, where they could highlight some of the pitfalls a little bit more. I think that there's certain areas like the master data as a service where it just deserved a little more attention than it got. Mm -hmm. um, but all in all, I do think that SAP is going in a good direction. And I think that their messaging is is pretty solid in terms of letting everyone in on what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give a B minus, and I'll explain that grade in a second. But I, I will say that for our listeners, that there's a lot of content on Diginomica hitting on various aspects. And I met with all the major user groups, including uh, the international Sugan leadership that was here. And, and there's an article about that up already. So I have a lot of user group feedback. I spent a lot of time on the S4 HANA public cloud piece of it, which I think SAP has made some progress on, and I'll be writing more about that. Um, the reason I give a B minus is. I agree with everything you've said. The reason I lower the grade a little bit, in my view, is just because I wanted to see more inspirational customer stories featured in the in the first day and second day keynotes. They did do that on the third day, but the problem is that on the third day, a lot of people are not paying attention and are gone. Uh, and I told the SAP leadership team this as well. I just felt like they did a little too much explaining in the keynote. Um, you can always explain your roadmap, but what you can't do uh, when you when you're not at Sapphire, is inspire your customers by showing them other customers that are that are kicking ass along the path and doing great things. And I think they really missed an opportunity there because they have those people now. Yeah. <laughs> a couple years ago, they didn't have them, yeah. so I think that was a big missed opportunity just from a sort of messaging standpoint and stuff. But anyhow, it was a good show, and we'll see what happens next. So if you want a little more content, we're going to tape a podcast that I think will be considerably shorter where we're going to dig in a little bit to, to Brian's machine learning interest. So thanks for joining us, Brian. Thanks.